G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin Isles is Managing Director of the ACL. Martin's back with us. Welcome back to 2020, Martin. G'day, Neil. Good to be back. Hey, Martin. The biggest issue uh, at hand and uh, where people are no doubt wanting insight and uh, maybe even some encouragement for some, uh, the Victorian election. Lots of listeners uh, would have been staying up late on Saturday night as I was to see the election results. What were your impressions? Well, uh, it was a bad result is the first thing to say. Not a surprising result, but a bad result. I think, uh, Neil, I was uh, on your program the day before and I said that I was expecting the Andrews government to be returned uh, and that I was expecting that the upper house also would probably uh, lean to the uh, sort of Labor, Greens and Reason Party side of the spectrum. Uh, and that looks like it's going to be correct. The upper house is not quite sealed yet, although it's looking a certain way and it's not great. And certainly, as we know, Matthew Guy led the Liberals to another crushing defeat, his second crushing defeat in Victoria. And I suppose I'd want to say uh, just on the politics side of things, not so much on the spiritual side, but on the politics side, it was sort of a foregone conclusion. Most of us who were observing this and many people who were advising Matthew Guy himself were warning him that if he did not offer a difference, if he did not offer an alternative to the Andrews government in every way, then people simply wouldn't vote for him. Because what you end up doing when you try to pander to the Andrews government, when you try to mimic them, when you don't stand up to them, but you sort of become a light version of them, is that you become an imitator. And nobody wants to vote for an imitation. Nobody wants to vote for a counterfeit. Everybody's going to vote for the real thing. So if you've got the real Daniel Andrews or the try-hard Daniel Andrews, you're going to vote for the real Daniel Andrews. <laughs> you need to have an alternative. And when there's no alternative, people have nowhere to go. And I suppose that's also why the minor party vote was so high in this election, because people were looking for an alternative. They were looking for somewhere else to go. And the Liberals simply didn't provide it. And so once and for all, uh, following the federal election and, now, and the South Australian election, and now the Victorian election, I sort of live in hope that finally the Liberals might get the message that if they don't provide that alternative, if they try to be Labor light, they will always be decimated, as they have been three times now. Well, becoming an alternative is one thing. Uh, to have a Christian foundation to your alternativeness might be another thing. And the sorts of things we mm. might talk about on this program uh, the challenge, of course, is for people who are on the so-called conservative side of politics to actually understand some of those principles that create a, a Christian foundation, but a foundation that actually sees the good of society. Uh, there seems to be a blindness to some of this sort of understanding, Martin. 
Oh, that, there's no doubt about that, Neil. So uh, one of the differences between Matthew Guy and Daniel Andrews was that Daniel Andrews was a man of conviction, is a man of conviction. The wrong convictions, but nonetheless conviction. He apologises to nobody for what he believes. Uh, he boldly advances his vision. Uh, and he's a man who looks like he knows what he's doing, he knows what he's about, and he knows where he's going. And when people are being governed by someone like that, and I'm talking about non-ideological people, just ordinary Australians who are not very connected in with politics at all, they feel secure in the fact that they have a leader who knows what he's doing and a leader who seems to be on the forward march and has great confidence. Um, and so Daniel Andrews' evil actually comes from his strength. He is really strong in conviction. But on the Matthew Guy side of the ledger, there was no conviction. The Liberal Party sort of put together a mishmash of policy, which had dropped out of polls and focus groups. They were chasing votes here, there and everywhere, and they weren't doing it on the basis of conviction. It was just a list of things, a shopping list that was to quote-unquote win the election. And Matthew Guy's evil was not in his strength of conviction. It was in his weakness. And what he did at every turn was show weakness. And when matters of principle came up, for example... Renee Heath's church affiliation, uh, upper house liberal candidate, Daniel Andrews will come out and say, that's bigotry, and he'll show great confidence. And then what will Matthew Guy do? He'll come out and he'll disown her in the media, and he'll show great weakness. And they're both wrong. And the evil of one is the strength, and the evil of the other is the weakness. And so you have a crisis of conviction on the weaker side of politics, which at the moment is the liberal side. They need to get back to their convictions and their vision because people are drawn to that. People are drawn to confidence. They're drawn to somebody who has that uh, secure projection of they know where they're going, they know what they stand for, and people can be safe if they're in government because there is that confidence. And I suppose, weirdly, that's what someone like Ron DeSantis uh, in America has in common with Daniel Andrews. Opposite sides of the political aisle but both formidably popular because they are men of confidence and conviction and they project that. The Liberals need to get back to their principles and have confidence in them. Let's talk about the extra part of the equation that hasn't attracted as much publicity yet. And, of course, we were talking about this on Friday in our preview as to what might happen in the upper house in Victoria. It uh, doesn't look like there's any good news to report there either uh, with Family First or the DLP or others that might have a conservative capacity to be on a crossbencher. What do you think has happened with the upper house, Martin? Well, the upper house results are not absolutely final because there's a pre-poll counting and that kind of thing still going on. The initial uh, preview, though, and the projections that um, the ABC uh, including Anthony Green, who's very reliable, uh, are putting out, uh, are looking like uh, at the moment that between the Labor Party, the Greens and the Reason Party, which is Fiona Patton, who is, you know, probably left of the Greens, uh, you know, that, that group is looking to have about 20 seats. And if they do have 20, then that's enough for them to advance their legislative agenda. Um, on the other side of the coin, though, at the moment, the family first vote is the highest of any minor party in the state of Victoria. Uh, and they're a strong Christian foundation party. So that's good. At the moment, they're not projected to win a seat, even though they've got the highest minor party vote, although we'll see how that goes. And it looks also as if uh, a Labor DLP person could be elected to the upper house. Now, they're a strong Christian foundation party and also a couple of pro-religious freedom camps 
that's people like Jeff Borman from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers for Western Victoria, uh, and potentially a One Nation uh, person, from uh, Ricky Lee Tyrrell from Northern Victoria. So there's a couple of pro-freedom candidates in there, uh, at least one strong Christian Foundation candidate, uh, and also good to see that the woman who was vilified for her church affiliation, Andrew Thorburn style, uh, Renee Heath, who Matthew Guy tried to disown, she was actually elected first in her region. So she got a, a fair bit of backing. So whilst the overall picture might look a little worrying, there are little green shoots there. You know, there are some opportunities for voices to be in that parliament uh, for truth and righteousness going forward. So we just keep an eye on that um, and we'll see how it finally pans out and perhaps we'll be talking about it again in a week or two. Voices in the upper house, but perhaps not the balance of power as some were anticipating and that many were hopeful for. It would be interesting to say that that was the worst news on the horizon for this past week, but there is something else that is incredibly serious, and some will even say this is the worst news, even worse than the election of a uh, a socialist party in control in Victoria, and I'm talking about the Northern Territory and a bill that passed last week. Uh, You're across some details here about what this does to affect Christian schooling in the Northern Territory, Martin. It's not good news. Uh, It's not good news. There's a slight silver lining, though. Um, So I want to say thank you to everybody who was part of the rally uh, on the forecourt of Parliament House in Darwin uh, and all of those who got in touch with their MPs in the Northern Territory. There were many uh, to express their concern about the bill that the Northern Territory government has now passed, but was proposing a week ago, but has now passed, which uh, takes away the rights of Christian schools to prefer Christian staff and undermines, therefore, their ability to maintain a Christian ethos in a very serious way, but also a bill that passes these laws that says that if anybody of particular identity groups feels offended, then they can take people like me and pastors and people they disagree with through anti-discrimination tribunals and sue them. Uh, you know, that, that bill, unfortunately, containing those provisions, those laws, has now passed despite the public opposition. I want to say thank you to those who are part of the opposition, but also just to note this in terms of silver lining. As a result of that activism and all that activity, the Northern Territory opposition leader for the country Liberal Party, uh, Leah Finocchiaro, Finocchiaro, she's the opposition leader of the uh, country Liberal Party up there, Uh, in the Northern Territory, the alternative government, she has come out and very clearly said that when uh, the Liberals are back in government in the Northern Territory, they will repeal that bill. Uh, So that's actually pretty good. If we'd done nothing, we wouldn't have got that promise. Uh, And so what we're going to do now is spend the next couple of years campaigning on the ground to inform Territorians of what the Labor government has done there in relation to Christian schools and freedom of speech, Uh, and also to make sure that we really lock in that promise from the opposition. And if the government changes at the next election, which is a real possibility, uh, not like Victoria, but it is a real possibility in the Northern Territory, uh, we may actually see that bill repealed. So, like I say, bad news, but a pretty strong and very real silver lining in that case. Well, lobbying all the more important in the Northern Territory. Let's turn our attention to abortion. And, uh, you know, while we talk about mainstream ideas and understandings, 
that Christians have held and that churches across the broad broadly hold too. Uh, it's a pro-life position. There's a Senate inquiry into abortion and calls to make abortion more widely available nationwide for taxpayers to bear the costs. Uh, what's developing here, Martin? Well, there is an inquiry, as you say, but there's also an opportunity. So the federal government uh, is really interested to make abortion more widely accessible and more freely accessible, though it is already very widely and very freely accessible across the nation. So I'm not entirely sure what more they think they can do, but they evidently think that they can do more. So they are putting on this inquiry, which is really tragic. However... Um, It is also an opportunity. Uh, We think that this is a moment when those in the Christian community and those who are pro-life can make a submission to that inquiry and demonstrate an outpouring of concern about the availability of abortion, uh, not the lack of availability, uh, and to put in pro-life submissions to that inquiry and to really overwhelm it with pro-life sentiment. Uh, I think that would be a really great outcome and I think is an important thing for us to do uh, as part of our Christian witness in this inquiry. So what's happening is that we are hosting a Zoom webinar tonight uh, to provide training to people on how they can write a submission to that inquiry. And it isn't a whole lot of work. It could be a very short submission just to comment about uh, your experience or what you believe, and you can send that in. Uh, over 2,500 people have registered to attend that webinar already, which is quite incredible. So we're always happy for more to come. You can see there's going to be a lot of pro-life submissions go into this thing. Uh, And so you can go to the ACL website, acl.org.au. And if you just scroll down a bit on the homepage, you'll see a big banner saying, you know, register for Zoom uh, webinar on abortion inquiry. You click that, you register, and you can go along to that tonight. You'll be addressed by Professor, uh, Associate Professor Joanne Howe uh, from uh, the uh, University of Adelaide. Uh, and also Wendy Francis, our National Director of Politics. It'd be a great thing to do and just a very, very simple way to make sure that that pro-abortion inquiry becomes a pro-life inquiry. Interesting, isn't it, when you stop, pause and reflect for a few moments. An inquiry is important and what has developed is taxpayer funding for abortions around the nation and uh, Martin if taxpayers are paying for abortion procedures that means that we are all contributing to the financing of abortion so something there that makes it a little more important for us all to rise to the occasion here and perhaps be prepared to speak up and make one of those submissions. I think so. I mean, it is true that there are Medicare item numbers uh, which are used to fund abortions right across the country, including late-term abortions right up to, uh, you know, just prior to the moment of birth. So it is correct that our taxpayer money, which funds the Medicare system, uh, is also funding abortions. And uh, that's a great tragedy. And therefore, I think there is a, a heightened Uh, urgency for people to speak up because their money is being implicated in this practice and so it's time that we took a stand and uh, I just think it's an excellent opportunity for us to show the government that when they put on an inquiry about expanding access to abortion they can expect to be overwhelmed with pro-life sentiment from the community. Uh, It'd just be a marvellous thing if we can pull that off and I think we can with people's help. 
So how do you write one of those submissions? Uh, Insights tonight on a national Zoom webinar and you can access details of how you can participate in that national Zoom webinar tonight at acl.org.au. That's the website for the Australian Christian Lobby acl.org.au Martin Isles is Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby Martin, thanks so much for an insightful update today on 2020 Thank you Neil, it's always a pleasure Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media To find out more about us go to vision.org.au 